Hello everyone and welcome to a very special episode of Rec Talks, recorded live from Money 2020 in Amsterdam. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, Rec Talks is a podcast dedicated to the latest trends from the world of RecTech, FinTech and financial regulations. My name is Klaus Christensen and I'm the CEO and co-founder of award-winning RecTech provider Know Your Customer. I'm honored today to be joined here in this beautiful studio by two extremely knowledgeable experts. For the next half hour, we will delve into the deep and essential connections that exist between the worlds of fintech and regtech. So without further ado, I would like to officially welcome our special guest, Maria Prados, Senior Vice President for Go-To-Market Global Enterprise at WorldPay. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And Ukne Borachena. Group CEO at Payable. Hi, glad to be here. It is my pleasure to have you both here. And to get started, I'd love to hear a bit about each of your journeys into the fintech industry. In particular, I'd love to know what brought you to this incredibly vibrant sector and what is keeping you interested these days. Maria, let's start with you. Sure. So mine was a little bit by luck, to be honest. I wish I could say like, hey, I always dreamt as a little girl that I wanted to work in fintech. But unfortunately, that is not the truth, right? Probably back then, it wasn't even a word, fintech. I used to work doing a lot of financial and e-commerce consulting at the beginning of my career. And then I just came across this amazing team that were doing like this great project with was at WorldPay, right? It was right after the spin-off from RBS, a long while ago, right? Like, so almost 10 years. And they were going through this transformation from being a bank to being a fintech. So I knew very little about payments, if, uh, if I'm honest. Uh, was more on the business and uh, development side of the retail landscape. But then I really bought into this transformation, what they were trying to do, what the team was about. Back then, we were privately equity-owned at Venn International and Bain Capital. We then IPO'd. We then were bought by Vantif. We then were bought by FIS. And now we're spinning off from FIS. So uh, if someone can tell me like, if you ever get bored, <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, no. Uh, and since then, last almost 10 years, I just haven't moved because... It is such an exciting industry to be in. And uh, yeah, I was lucky to just come in here by luck, but uh, I'm definitely not moving. Fascinating. Thank you. And Unya, can I ask you, how did your journey into fintech begin and how it's been progressing? I kind of have to resonate a little bit with Maria. It's not that I ever dreamed of being in fintech and also at the time, so going back 16 years ago. So I'm 34, which is scary. So that means that almost my first job was actually related to fintech. But fintech at the time, 16 years ago, was not, was not really fintech. The industry was kind of very um, segmented and also, let's say, the solutions that were out there. And the tech was nowhere near, uh, let's say, interesting as, as it is now. So I ended up in, in, in a company in England who was actually providing solutions and software solutions for uh, banks and financial institutions and acquirers uh, globally from Africa to Asia. Uh, Europe was a harder market because uh, the change of, let's say, and the migration of the software for a bank was, uh, was quite a difficult task at any time, but then it was even more so, and there was not a lot of, let's say, pressure to do so. So I started actually from the, from the tech side and then kind of moved from marketing and then sort of pre-sales support. But I soon realized that where I really want to be, I want to be close to the clients and the business development. 
Uh, but I have to say that the average age of a salesperson in that industry selling into banks was a I'm sorry to say, but a 60-year-old uh, man, and uh, I was nowhere even near to be able to even progress, you know, further, uh, further my career there. And then, a kind of payments were coming, you know, a little bit more prevalent, and I think the fintech was really starting, you know, to shape. And I've moved into a payments space, like so, kind of really focusing on payments, so from PSP side, acquire side. Payfax, I mean, you name it. So really the last 10 years was really related for me with that. I worked with every bank, every acquirer. Three years ago, I took over uh, Payable. We are a fintech payment, paytech provider that you know provides uh, solutions for, for merchants and, and clients alike. We have a very varied solution set because we not only do and not only focus on the sort of brick and mortar, as you call it, you know, acquiring. Uh, we do banking, we do a lot of things, you know, we do embedded finance, like issuing of cards, you know, for clients. And yeah, so the journey was pretty interesting because, you know, the, the last three years uh, also we experienced a lot of growth. So I had to grow as a CEO and as a person and also, you know, to lead the team, you know, into all of the right uh, things. But uh, the reason why I, I, th- I suppose I got stuck in it is the same way that, you know, Maria said, I mean, it's like, I don't know where else would I be. It's, uh, it's changing. There's still a lot of, you know, things to do. It's very progressive, especially now. So I kind of never really even thought about being anywhere else. There's really nowhere else I suppose I would want to be, right? And also being on the side of the sort of the tech side, the consultancy, the merchant side, you know, it's a cool thing to do, really. So I can see the appeal for sure. And I can see a lot of people, you know, who change the career and want to come into fintech because there really is uh, reasons uh, for it. Thank you so much. For the last three years, I have been interviewing many experts in our space and simply love how different each journey to into fintech always ends up being. And my own is only eight years old, so I'm not as long in fintech as you've been. I myself came from the tech side of computer applications in race cars and then aerospace. And I was surprised coming from that area how complex a world financial technology can be. It does come close to rocket science. (laughs) Don't we agree? Sometimes it does. Sometimes, (laughs) maybe. I think if you unnecessarily make it to be that way, yes. But but it doesn't really have to be rocket science. That's right. Especially it doesn't have to be in front of a customer. Right. That is simple and very straightforward. During the week in Amsterdam here, um, I certainly had plenty of occasions to see just how exciting and innovative uh, the fintech sector, even after quite a long time, the term itself turns 30 this year. Incredibly. 30, wow. Is, yeah. From my point of view, there's one aspect deeply connected to fintech that only gets limited attention right now. And that's what I'd like to talk about next. I'm referring to the close relationship between fintech and regtech, and is obviously what we concentrate on. It's true that in the past few years, regtech has been gaining a lot of momentum with industry leaders and also with regulators, but the general public isn't as aware. It's been said many times that regtech is the secret source that powers fintech's outstanding and revolutionary new customer experiences. For KYC, I don't mind staying in the background and silently or secretly, the secret sauce, powering the fintech customers. Regtech is what makes it possible to simplify processes. But on the other hand, it's also true that fintech companies such as yours here are powering Regtech's growth as you are among the early and fast adopters of all sorts of new solutions in this era, long before more established financial institutions ever move. That's definitely something we see at Know Your Customer, where payments and fintechs 
are by far the greatest percentage of our client base already. I'm very interested to know how you see the interaction between these two areas and how your companies are currently harnessing RecTech to reach overall business goals. Unia, maybe you start with you. Sure. I mean, it's a, it's a very complex question. And I think um, you're right to say that, you know, that uh, the, the growth for Recta comes from the fact that, you know, that the fintechs are innovating and uh, we want to be digital. We want to simplify things. You know, we want to grow our customer base as soon as possible. Also to make the journey for the client as easy as possible as well. And also to be compliant fully. There's kind of also some, some difficulties there as well, because yes, there is a lot of growth, but it's actually the regulator who, in my view, kind of stalls uh, some of the development and some of the further growth uh, in that area. And I can give you an example from our own perspective. We face you know, some regulators that you know that are very of certain you know, digital solutions that are used you know, for KYC, right? So they don't take it as equal as uh, a good old uh, true certified uh, copy of certain documents. There's nothing true or good about true certified Exactly, copies. because also it's only the concept of it because that not necessarily means that that's a true certified copy, right? So in my, in my view, I have, I suppose, more trust in the digital rather than in the physical. And I suppose because the physical has been here for so long. And I honestly think that to, to deceive that is easier than, than in some cases, you know, the, the technology. So it's a tricky situation for especially for companies like ours, because we want to leverage the technology, we want to grow and we want to use it and to use, you know, the best providers and the solutions, you know, for our clients. But we have to be also kind of very sensitive and careful whether our regulators, you know, really like it. But I don't see that, you know, that it will change in a way that the growth is not there. The growth will continue. But I suppose that little friction that, you know, we have has to kind of at some point improve. Thanks. That was absolutely wonderful. From what you have seen, Maria, in the last few years, how do FinTech and RegTech contribute to each other's success? Yes, I think they're completely embedded, right? Like yeah. you were saying. And FinTech even started because financial services were kind of not innovating enough. So fintech brings in the technology into financial services. It's already a highly regulated industry, and the regulation comes with it, right? So, the, the, but then the innovation starts to go and progress so quickly. Sometimes the regulation can't keep up many times, right? So what ends up happening, and especially for us as well, maybe more of a more traditional, more legacy kind of payment player, it's. How you just keep like growing your processes that are more legacy just to keep up with some regulation that you know it's coming, but you don't know exactly what it's going to be saying. So now RegTech then plays a key role because that's really how you bring technology like 360. At the end of the day, fintech companies, we are not experts in uh, regulatory compliance. We do have a lot of expert people now because we had to, and that becomes a key leg of what we do. But at the end of the day, it's not really our core, is it? We need to start being much better at enabling and working with more of the newer rag tech providers that are coming in and say, like, hey, I'm going to help you streamline the KYC process that you've been building in a very manual way, right? Which is kind of a bit of a pain for us, but also it's a pain for our merchants because obviously, ideally, you would have it all digital or like seamless. But like you say, I, I think the industry takes a little bit of a while to keep up. And they're even within FinTech, which is supposed to be like the technical side and the faster and the newer innovations coming in, still goes little by little and smaller. So. 
RegTech, I think, is definitely key to continue to enable the growth and the innovation and the technology in, in highly regulated industries. And I think that's why you say, like, oh, fintech providers are probably, like, our largest customers. Of course, like, regulation is all around us. We need to streamline that, and we need to work with those companies that are getting and building it from scratch rather than us. It's hard for us to then build a complete new automated KYC process. Yeah, because that's kind of like not really what we do. But then who do we play with and how do we as an industry also lobby with the regulator to help push the next change because we need to keep growing. And there are a lot of new parts of fintech, like buy now, pay later, for example, that have been living in this great regulatory. Not for very long, I think. Not anymore, right? But they have been. And now, like, all regulation comes in. And a lot of them are a bit like, whoa, like, what is this? <laughs> like, how are we going to cope with it? Yeah. They don't have all of these, like, legacy, more larger compliance things that we would do, for example. So it's just regulation always comes. It's a bit of a question of when, <laughs> right? So we just need to be ready and be much more proactive to drive it through technology rather than just to keep adding to more legacy old processes. But I think it's also a very important point that you mentioned because uh, our, let's say, goal is not to build RegTech solutions, you know, but we are the ones that actually really know what we need, right? Because we have to leverage this customer journey, the requirement from the regulators. So we ultimately really know what the solution in a way should look like, right? But we do need uh, providers, you know, and RegTech to make that into an automated process. Or from our perspective, we kind of know, okay, this is what we really need to automate. But on the other side, also as a CEO, like I have to take a decision, like, do I build it? No, I mean, I build fintech solutions but it has to be based still from the fintechs or whoever the client is you know uh, key requirements and key balances right so because otherwise it doesn't you know really work i picked up on that there seems to be a different speed of technology adoption between the retail facing part and the maybe b2b facing part would you say that's true yes i would say that's true uh, i think actually if the more retail part moves slowly, the B2B moves even more slowly, <laughs> right? Probably because at the end of the day, the more B2C services are dealing with a consumer who doesn't understand really what's going on. They just want what they want. For them, they are becoming much more tech savvy. They're really pushing for what they want during COVID as well. Now, like we are like five years ahead of what we would have been if we didn't have COVID. So that's kind of positive on the digital side. User experience has to be seamless. Like we were saying before, taking a payment, sometimes when a payment works, it's like, whoa, thank God it works. But for, for anybody that doesn't work in payments, we'd be like, why wouldn't this not work? I mean, it's so obvious that I pay and it just happens. So that pushes all of the B2C merchants to just be much more on it B2B comes a bit after because you're talking about business to business. Everyone understands a bit more. And the legacy systems are terrific. Pushing that next, I actually think it's probably one of the legs that is going to be moving into more innovation and technology pretty soon because it still hasn't happened. So it just has to follow at some point. It's just probably more around expectations and who has more of the power when the transaction happens. Well, that's 
explains a little more how we experience the whole thing uh, as KYC vendors that concentrate on KYB or business to business actually. As I went along and learning about the space and doing this eight years, we're very successful now with tier one banks and all, but for a time it was a long journey. In between, I would have said, well, if you want to start a company and want to run a company, be the CEO, it's a good idea, but don't do it in compliance. Don't start there. And by now I would say, well, just with that information, if you do, then don't start in B2B, do retail. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it kind of makes sense also because you know from that perspective yeah I mean it's also if you take volume and if you take as you know volume is key for for everything right if we're talking about scale right so yeah B2C is scale in, in my view and also for a rec tech provider yeah of course that's kind of you know appealing uh, in a sense but we're a little bit maybe uh, more lucky because you know the, that we what we earn you know from our clients can be subsidized you know we can subsidize you know the costs for for those checks because uh, a, it's faster for us, so we, we will justify the cost you know, for it in, in a way, right? Whereas someone in the B2C space, you know, they're very uh, cautious, right, of uh, what they're paying. I have another question that I'm selfishly interested in learning for my company. As we look to the future, what do you see as the top challenges for fintech companies? And do you feel that regtech providers have a role to address these with you? Maria, let's start with you. Challenges or opportunities, I mean, depending if you want to see the glass half full, half empty, <laughs> right? I like to call them opportunities as well. I think there's a lot, a lot of innovation, right, coming within fintech. Uh, there's a lot around now kind of embedded finance, for example. You mentioned it before, Ugne, as well. I think that's one of the areas that it's growing really, really fast. Within it as well, providing some kind of lending we talked about buy now pay later before as well oh tons happening in there we actually released a research global payments report i don't know if you guys are familiar with it mm -hmm. we saw that buy now pay later like grew like fivefold from 2018 to 2022 uh globally like an e-commerce which is massive so tons to do in that space we'll probably see now who has that scale that we were talking about to take it to the next level and how not only on the buy now pay later, but we have a lot of merchants offering their own installment solutions and say that, hey, why do I actually have to send my user to another payment provider? I don't see their whole end-to-end -end journey, right? And then they disappear from my website and then they come back sometimes and sometimes they don't come back. So I think there's going to be a lot, a lot of push on that and some kind of like banking as a service and finance is just going to enable all of the all of the merchants to offer that piece. I think that piece is quite, quite interesting. And maybe the other one that I would call out is the more the account-to-account -account payment or the real-time payments. It is... Again, growing really fast, I believe, and on our report it was like around 8% of all the global e-com transactions at the minute. Hyper-fragmented, very, very domestic. There's what, like over 65 real-time platform schemes in the world. Each one works completely different. Regulation is, again, like coming around so those I think pieces within the payment industry which is kind of where I work but I revolutionizing already this industry and regulation as we said in fintech is key but as new technology comes in 
this regulation is to say these different trends have already gained the scale. So now they are on the regulators kind of like watch, <laughs> listen. And that's kind of the next thing. How do we make sure that everyone within the industry is trying to lobby and cooperate to get the right regulation which is needed with the right technology to avoid a lot of the more and more manual processes that are not good for anyone. About your last point about the fast payment systems, I've seen something happening there in Singapore where they do actually go against that fragmentation and try to connect multiple systems. I think there was a trial between Malaysia, Thailand and Singapore at least, maybe another country as well, yeah. where you can now do real-time payments through, through one platform. Yeah. That's right. And you see, even in the US as well, there's like a couple of different schemes that they're trying to see how it's going to end up working. Do we consolidate? Do we not? In Europe, because we're just much more fragmented country by country, how do you get to aggregate more? Definitely, the evolution is to be that at some point with open banking as well, everything's going to hopefully be more simple. But right now, it's at that point where the demand is there, is growing, everyone wants the faster payments. So you get a lot of new competitors, companies, innovators coming in and wanting a bit of the market, right? So then it's going to be into what happens next. How do we make it in a way that you're giving your merchants or the end consumer the right product, but that is also kind of with the regulation that you needed, but also all in a very tech way and not manual. I agree there's a lot of mess, actually mess from the regulator side, I think because, you know, there's things that are coming out, but that the regulation is not following through, you know, fast enough. So there's, you know, that there's new concepts, you know, because open banking is just a concept. How you use it is, is, is a different thing, right? So account to account is just one part of it, right? There's a lot of things are, are coming up, but on the other side, I have to say that there is nothing revolutionary uh, in my view, because if you talk about embedded finance, embedded finance is as old as it gets. I mean, because what is embedded finance? It's just a financial service that is provided by a financial company to someone that doesn't have the regulations. So it's, you know, issuance of cards. And we talk about all of these great things, but actually we recycle everything, right? So there's really nothing really that grand, you know, like in my view, right? We just have to make this uh, mess into a less of a mess. We have to, you know, regulate it. We have to really crystallize what works, what doesn't really work. I think it's just really uh, what I'm looking forward to in the future is uh, this housekeeping in a way, right? So that the regulators, you mentioned the regulators, you know, come together, but we have to be um, realistic. There's no, nothing that phenomenal, you know, happening. It's just that doing those things really, really well and uh, making it easy, you know, for the clients to use, for, the, for us as a payment service provider. I think that's the key. Thank you so much. That is very, very interesting. We are pushed to wrap our, our conversation up, actually, uh, but I would like to ask both of you one question that I actually ask all of my RecTalk podcast guests Oh, now we'll start with you. If you woke up tomorrow and somehow it become the global financial regulator, what would you do? Why? Okay, first of all, I would like to hear what, 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 what does this regulator have to say? Because honestly, it's very hard to imagine that someone can take all of this and kind of wrap it, you know, all around. 
But honestly, I would think that then there would be the end of payments in a way, right? Because you need a little bit of this fragmentation, a little bit of issues. You need to be a little bit uh, in innovative in a way how you resolve some of the issues. If you don't have any issues and if you don't have any, so everything becomes, okay, everything is transparent, it's one regulator, like there's no fragmentation. I mean, so what are we going to do? So uh, so what kind of payments are we going to provide, right? I mean, it's like, it's, it's kind of like, the, yeah, then we wake up and then we say, oh, okay, thank you very much. Where a job is done, you know, everything is easy, you know, you get the payments, it's like you, you onboard a merchant, you know, anywhere globally, suddenly, right, because you're, if you're a European acquirer, you only onboard, you know, European merchants. So now I woke up and I can target anyone, I can go wherever I want, so then, okay, amazing, I mean, but it's kind of like a little boring. I love that take. This is such a controversial one. Nobody else has ever said that. <laughs> and uh, that's just fantastic. You could do one thing. Uh, just to resolve yeah. that, you could just issue a regulation that no two countries are to have the same regulation. If they ever come up with the same ideas, yeah. they have to find it. Oh different my God, way. you would be the most hated regulator. <laughs> I know, I would be probably the most hated, but I think, I think it's also because such an unrealistic thing to think that could happen. Because uh, let's face it, you know, the world is big, and I mean, and there's a lot of things that happen. But as I said, I really think that that would be. <laughs> A little bit, a little bit of the end of uh, of a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> Maria, would you have a, an even more controversial one, or? Uh, gosh, no. I actually would appreciate a little bit more of <laughs> like simplification <laughs> at the minute. Uh, I think, but um, I think what I would do though is I would create, and I know they exist, but probably more of like groups of experts to discuss what needs to be regulated, right? A lot of the times what we find is, yeah, the regulation comes a bit late and sometimes it's actually not fixing what it's supposed to be fixing. Uh, so then we have to go back and say like, well, this is a good idea, but you know what? This is just adding complexity. No one can comply to it on the times that you're telling us and it's actually not fixing the problem. So in my ideal world would be, let's get this kind of council of experts sitting down to say, okay, like you were saying before, we know what it needs to happen. Let's all put it together, come in as industry experts to say, this is what needs to be regulated. We understand this business. This is how the regulation should work. That would be the first part. The second part then, I would include more of the rec tech providers in there because then one thing, you have the regulation there, that's great. Second thing, how do you implement it? We get thrown regulation in our desk all the time. It's like, how on earth I'm going to make this work? What does this even mean in these specific cases? So then having more of the experts on rag tech on that table saying, okay, what would be the technology that could solve for this? So then at that point would be, okay, so now this is the regulation. This is the technology. We just need to implement it together and then launch it to make sure that we're compliant. That would be heaven for me. Also, just a small, small thing that I will say, like open banking is a very good example, right? So open banking came and there is really no customer, consumer protection for the PIS, right? For the, for the payments. There is no infrastructure to do, you know, refunds or, or like chargebacks as we understand in the card environment. So here you go. You know, it's like it's there. Deal with it. And then what do you do? But uh, yeah, just kind of, yeah, I agree. And completely, I'm, I'm, I'm stopping. Unia, Maria, this has been fantastic. <laughs> Loved it. Thank you so much for having us. I learned so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you both. Yeah, thank you. It's been fun. And to our live audience out there, thank you very much for listening in. Thank you for joining. And if you like this episode and you're interested in the global fintech and regtech space, 
Make sure you check out our past interviews. We now have more than 30 episodes in our series. Rec Talks is available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and at knowyourcustomer.com slash Talks. If you have any questions or suggestions for future guests, please email us at info at knowyourcustomer.com. Thanks again. You too. Hope you enjoy the rest of the week. It's been a blast. <laughs>